happy Sabbath once again. All right, I pray all is um, all are refreshed and ready to feast upon God's word for our last presentation of the day. And as we go through these things, we're going to go back on some of the things that we went over last week and try to refresh our minds on, on um, what was taught. But, um, but before we begin, let us um, open up with a silent word of prayer. Amen. This morning, Val went over um, anemia, and she says that 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 with anemia, it is a is a it is a, a loss of life. So if you're losing life, you're on the verge of of, of death, obviously, because that's if you're if you're there's only two routes. It's either life or death. Amen. And the twenty five twenty is only it says that it's only blessings and curses. So this curse of anemia is what brings us closer to death. And that's, and, and anemia is simply in, in, its, in its lowest terms and its lowest um, fraction form is, is sin. And because of this sin, this sin problem that engulfs all mankind, we are all anemic because we don't have the life that is within us. Because Christ says he's the way, the truth, and the what? And the life. So because of sin, we are without this life. So we're all spiritually anemic. We're all spiritually without the life of God. But praise God that the Lord is going to restore us back into that state. Amen? Because he said he's going to bring us back into the state in which Adam left. And, and by his grace and his mercy, he's going to bring us up even higher into that state. I mean, even higher than that state. I mean, so he's going to give us back that life-giving blood that we are no longer anemic, but that we are, that we are full of life and ruddy, just like Adam. Because Adam, his, his skin complexion, Eloi says, was ruddy. It was full of life full of blood. That's what ruddy means. So, so as we see people that is in the world, like, oh, you're glowing. Your face is very, very, very uh, exuberant, very bright, very lifeful. That's because they're full of life. That's why you see in the world, people that are truly dead, they like to put on that makeup on their cheeks. And what is that called? Blush. blush. But what color is blush? Red or pink to show that they are full of life. But it's all a facade. That's what, that's what um, makeup does. It, it makes you put on a facade and makes you look as though you're something that you're not. 
just like how the papacy does. It tries to put on this white cloak and try to act like it's something that it's not. And Satan tries to act like he's an angel of what? Life. Angel of life. He's, he tries to play like he's an angel of life, putting on this makeup, putting on this blush on his cheeks and his eyeliners and all these things so that he can act like he has life in him. But truly, he is not life because the, the Lord tells us that he's the opposite of life, which is what? Death. 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 So the Lord is trying to bring us back from that death-like state. And, and the Lord says that death is, is synonymous with what? Sleep. All right. So to be dead is to all to be also to be sleep, to, to be asleep. And the Lord is going to awaken us. And when he awakens us, he's going to tell us that, that, that we must we must go forward in his life, in his in his power. Listen. So. I had two thoughts, but I forgot one. But I was just thinking of a mother. You always hear the, um, not here. Well, people always say, oh, she's glowing mm -hmm. when, I'm, when somebody's pregnant, you know, because the person's carrying life, has life in them. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, they're, they're also glowing, the baby in them. So I'm not sure what that means when it comes to, based on what you were saying, mm -hmm. you know, but I was just, and also I was thinking of, um, what was it? When you're well rested, too. Oh, you're yes, also glowing, yes. and when you take a shower, but your yes. blood circulates, mm -hmm. so definitely. The shower, mm -hmm. I just figured out. Mm -hmm. Your blood circulates because you always just feel, you know what's so funny, sometimes when I'm, when I had a long day, and if I didn't get to take a shower right away, I just had to run to the store, I'll go wash my face. But it's mm -hmm. not the same, though. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that when I take a shower, for whatever reason, you come up, your face is just way different. Yeah, amen, But it, yes. you kind of get close to just washing your face, but it's never the same. But definitely, I just was trying to figure out, like, what is this when a baby, when a mother carries a baby and she's glowing, you know? Because she's filled with life, life. yes. Oh, and yeah. Amen. And, and this is the same reason why doctors try to take those cells, um, I forgot what they're called. Uh, stem cells, yes. Why they take try to take stem cells from from the babies, from in the womb and whatnot, because that because that is, amen, is pure life. So okay. the woman, the the mother, she's carrying this pure life within her, and it's invigorating not her herself, but it's also invigorating the baby. It's giving the baby life, and the baby, being this this organism that is within the mother, she as she is giving life to the baby, the baby's also giving life to her. That's why you're not outside, okay, you're seeing it. But yeah, because I was trying to figure the blood piece. So mm -hmm. yeah, the baby's giving life to the mom. Yes. That They're I like because that makes sense because cause why is she glowing? Yeah, it has to be something with the baby because when she's not pregnant, mm -hmm. she's not just glowing. Like, I'm not glowing right now. I'm not pregnant, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I might just, I might glow when I take a shower, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe like I'm well rested. But it's different to when you're pregnant, you actually, you can see the difference in a, in a person that you always yeah. knew. Amen. Like, oh, she looks different. Yes. Yes, and the Lord is trying to impregnate us with his word that we can constantly have that glow so that light can shine from within and without. And, and as Val went through that with the um, anemia, Romario added to it and showed forth that that life is, is also to do what? To possess us. So if that life possesses us, he is going to bring us to a higher plateau that bring us to that point that Adam left and even higher, which is the midnight cry, because she says that the platform was what? It was high above. It was high above the earth. That is that highness that the Lord wants us to have. That's that high plateau, that full vigor of life that the Lord wants to bring us to. And the, the understanding of what the Lord is teaching us in this time is, is the entering wedge of how we are, are to get there. 
But for us to get there, we must first meet Christ at a certain place. Because remember, last week the Lord showed us that we have to be at a certain place meeting a certain one. We have to be in these, amen, amen, a certain saint. We have to meet these certain things. Once we're in that certain place, we must also be in communication with this certain saint. Amen? Because Ellen White says that the foolish versions, they, they became foolish because they did not what? Let's see if you remember the quote. Uh-uh. Because they did not. Communicate. Yes. It's because they did not communicate. So you can be a virgin. They all were virgins. But what made them foolish is because they did not communicate. Okay? They did not communicate with one another and thus showing that they did not communicate with God. Because how can you not communicate with the one that you can see, but communicate with that which you cannot see? Amen? The principle's the same. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I was saying, hence the reason why the father and the son, like the, I wasn't there, I missed when I was studying, but I, I'm looking at the triangle. Mm -hmm. You know, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit all united, and it's one, you know, there are three gods in one, but it's one. Amen. And this, it's one because they're communicating and, and, and as one God still. Amen. Yes, this threefold union, the yeah. true threefold union. And this, we must, we must truly understand this threefold union because this portion here, this sun portion, that's the one that pertains to us. Amen. That's the portion that must really have ingrained in our minds. Because the Lord says that we are called to be sons and daughters of who? God. Of God. So we must be a part of that threefold union. And by God's grace, I pray that um, we have a better understanding on, on, um, upon it. Because I touched upon it last week, but we're going to continue to go through these things so that we can have a a greater understanding of what the Lord is, is truly bringing us to. So, we don't have to go to our notes from last week, but I'm going to briefly go through it. So, we began and showed that, that in the beginning, that Christ was, that Christ existed. And from that existence, that's what he wants to impart upon us, because we are all, uh, we are all anemic. We're all dead in trespasses and sins. Amen. So, uh, so if Christ existed and he is that life, then that means that he wants to impart that life to us. Amen. But in that existence, it brings us to a place that we are to be called sons. And hence why the Lord brought us to that understanding of Galatians 4. And, and in Galatians 4, he was showing us that we are heirs to salvation. Whose salvation? Our own salvation. By being called a son, it is how we are going to be linked with, um, with the, 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 the true threefold union. How the Lord is truly going to work through us to, to his will and glory. And, and as we continued last week, the Lord showed us that we must be brought to, this, to the gate of heaven. And, uh, and this is where we're going to continuing um, this, um, this Sabbath. So in the top of the notes, in Genesis 28, verses 11 to 18, and it says that, speaking of, of, of um, Jacob, it says, and he lighted upon a certain what? A certain place. It says, and tarry there all where? Night. All night. So, so in night, it is, it is, is it light or is it darkness in the night? Dark. 
It's darkness, okay? So we, now we have the, the, the circumstances and we have what the, 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 the element in which Jacob is in, okay? He's, he's in a certain place and it's dark, right? Because it's nighttime. And it says, because the sun was set, which is obvious. It says, and he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. So now this is very important because Romario said in his last presentation that we have to get to this certain place. But from this first verse, Jacob was in a certain place. But what was he doing? Sleeping. Amen. He was sleeping. So many of us are going to be in a certain place and we're going to be what? Sleeping. We're going to be sleeping. That's why it says we have to be we have to be in a certain place and be in communication with a certain saint. These things have to be um, together. Because Peter, James, and John, they were in a certain place. They were at Gethsemane. But what were they doing? Sleeping. They were sleeping. But once Peter understood of how Satan was trying to sift him as wheat, where did he go back to? The same, the same place. The certain place. Yeah. The same place, place where, where he once was. Amen. Yes, he went back to that same place to now go back on that experience to try to gather back what what he had missed when he was asleep. Okay, so we so it must it must it must be done that we must be in a certain place and we must be in communication with a certain saint because Daniel was in a certain place at the banks of the Uli, but he was also in communication with certain saints which brought him to Daniel 9:24 to um to 26 where he received the understanding of whom of Christ of the Messiah Daniel 9:24 speaks of of the Messiah and how he saves in the manner in which he saves amen amen it was, amen. It was revealed unto him it was a revelation so let us continue in verse 12 it says and he dreamed that behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. it says and behold the Lord stood above it and said I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad the west until and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am what? With thee. And I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I what? Okay, so, so in conjunction with verse 11, he was in this certain place, but he did not know it. So, so we are in, just like Romaria said earlier, that we are at this certain place, but we don't fully know it as yet. But the Lord is revealing it unto us that, that we must be, well, we must truly be awake that we may receive this revelation. Because this revelation is of the utmost importance. And we'll get to that um, later on. Verse 17 says, And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of 
heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his, his pillows and set it up for, the, for a pillar and poured oil upon, upon the top of it. Okay, so next paragraph. It says, Jacob said because of his sin that he has separated himself from God and, and heaven. And that's the case of, of all humanity. We have all separated ourselves from God and from heaven. We have, because Adam, in the beginning, he was a son. Adam and Eve were, were sons of God. But because of they, their sin, they have separated themselves from this, from this union. From this union, they have separated because of sin. So, okay, it says, but God did not forget him. It says he gives him a what? A revelation. He gives him a revelation. Amen. He says he sees a ladder of shining brightness. He says the base of the ladder is firmly planted on the on the earth, and the topmost round enters the throne of God. He says angels are above it and shining in their brightness on every round of that ladder. The angels are descending on that shining ladder. He says, This is the gate of heaven to what? This is the gate of heaven to what? My soul. Okay, so what is this revelation that we must we must see? Now what? It is something relating to our soul. Jacob saw within the ladder that there was that it 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 was a it was the gate of heaven to his own soul. So that's what we must see. Yeah, it was the way out for him. Yes, yeah. it, was the, it was his salvation in that ladder. So the same thing must be seen for us because God is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. forever. So if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the same revelation given to Jacob will be the same revelation given to me. Amen. So as he saw the gate of heaven for his soul, when it comes to the midnight cry, I must see the revelation for whose soul? My soul, not Jacob's soul, not Moses' soul, but for my soul. Amen. So this round of ladders is our salvation. That's what is happening in Genesis 28. That's what the gate of heaven is. It must be received in our soul. Amen? All right. Let's go to the next paragraph. From MS 33, 1889, paragraph 6. It says, after Jacob had defrauded his brother of, of the birthright, he was a what? Wanderer. He was a, everybody following? All right, he was a wanderer. It says, he was a discouraged man as he contemplated his deprivations with the blessings of home, mother and all. It says, but as he lies with his head resting on his pillow, pillow of stone, he sees a ladder stretched from the earth to the highest heaven. And it says, he saw that what? In that ladder. In that ladder. So, so, he, so did he just see the ladder? No, he saw, he saw more than that. It was because... Haskell says, the first thing you see yes, is on the surface. On and, the surface. and secondly, it's, um, it's, it's deeper. It's deeper meaning. Yes. So he s s 
excuse me, he, he saw, saw that there as well. He saw he the saw deeper meaning. Amen. At the same time. Yes. So that's what we must also see. We must see the deeper meaning. We must be able to see Christ speaking through through his representative, even if it cuts deep into our soul. Regardless of the rebuke, regardless of what is stated, regardless of what is taking place, we must see that it is God that has given us this revelation to our soul. It's not the no, it's not the latter. The latter is just a symbol of what is taking place. Because in other records, the Lord says that Christ is this ladder. And with his human arm, he is touching, he is holding the earth. And with his divine arm, he's grasping the throne of God. So is it a ladder? No, it's not literally a ladder. It is Christ. So Jacob saw in the ladder his salvation. He saw the gate of heaven for his soul. So at the end of the world, it's the same ladder that is there. The same ladder is there portrayed before each and every man. But in that ladder, we must see what pertains to our souls. How the Lord is coming to save me. How the Lord is coming to save Aiden. How the Lord is coming to save Emily. How the Lord is coming to save each and every soul. It must be a personal relationship that we are having with our Lord. And this truth is helping us to give us this personal relationship with our Lord because we are to be one with God. And it is only through this union that we are going to be married to Christ because marriage is showing a true union. And it is the perfect way in which Christ can illustrate to mankind how we are to be one with him. Hence why in this day and age, Satan is trying to do what? Destroy marriage. Because he doesn't want people to understand the true import of being one with him. Through this intercourse with Christ, we are to be one with him. Okay? Alright, let us continue. It says, He saw that in that ladder, the gift of heaven was portrayed to man. He said, This is indeed the gate of heaven. It is by this ladder... Who, what's in, the, what's in the, um, the brackets? Jesus Christ. So he saw Jesus Christ in the ladder. It is by this ladder, Jesus Christ only, that we can climb to heaven. Next paragraph. It says, when Adam separated himself from God. Yeah, when Adam separated himself from his God, it was Christ who bridged the gulf. It says, suppose... The latter did not, um, oh, actually, I'm going to make this point because Mario brought up the chasm. So when he brought up this chasm, it is Christ that, that is this cord. Because Christ is the ladder that bridges the gulf between earth and heaven. And in CET and the vision, we have... The earth on one side, and she says on the other side, there's a beautiful field. And that beautiful field is, you could be, it could be the new earth, it could be heaven, it could, amen, it could be the holy city. It, it doesn't matter because all of it is in perfection. And that's what the Lord is trying to illustrate. That, that from earth, you can get from this point to that point, but only if you hold on to the cord. If you hold on to this cord, you'll be able to swing over to that glorious field on the other end. But only from this cord, which is Christ, can you get over. Because the same ladder, you could put it, 
and span, yeah, and put it to span both the gulf. So Christ is the cord, Christ is the ladder. And only through Christ that you're able to span over this, this gulf, this gulf which is, which is sin. So it says, suppose the ladder did not connect humanity with divinity by one inch. It says all would be lost. For of ourselves we can do nothing, but we, but we unite our humanity with Christ's what? with Christ's divinity it says and are drawn up step by step by the what cords oh, oh the cords of God's love so she just did it she just did it amen she just did it and said the same thing the cords of love is the ladder that spans from earth to heaven so the cord is the ladder next quote it says Christ is our what our substitute as one who will fight our battles for us. The human arm of Christ encircles the fallen race, and with his divinity, he grasps the throne of, of, of the infinite. He says, come unto me, for my yoke is easy. And keep this in mind about, about the yoke. He says, we are, to find, we are to find the rest. We are to find the Sabbath in bearing the yoke of Christ. So to... To put down your yoke, to put down your burdens, whatever your troubles are, or whatever it may be, is to, is to um, not neglect, to reject. It's to reject that, that, um, that thing that is going to bring you to understand the rest. It's going to bring you to understand the Sabbath. So as, as we complain and murmur of the yoke that the Lord has put upon us, we're complaining upon that very thing that is going to bring us to the rest. Amen. Understood? The seal of God. Amen. The, amen. The seal of God. Because the Sabbath is the seal of God. It says, are we, are we wearing the yoke of Christ or have we manufactured a yoke of our own? If you are groaning under your burdens, you have not Christ's yoke upon you. For he says, my yoke is easy. So if it's easy, what are you groaning about? What are you complaining about? The Lord said it's easy. The Lord says he'll never give you more than you can bear. So if you're complaining, then what are you saying? That the Lord has given you more than you can bear. Lord, you're a liar. This is more than I can bear. You're a liar. This yoke is not easy. This is hard. So we can't complain of the yokes that the Lord has given onto us because it is, we are, we are well able to do what? Amen. To take it. Go ahead. I was just thinking of the Tower of Babel. They, it, it's, it's basically they had their own ladder, like another ladder yeah. they yes. were climbing to. A man-made ladder. Yeah, instead of, you know, like like the ladder was Christ. Like, you know, because they refused all the teachings of God, of God and, and telling them what he would never do again. Mm -hmm. And they decided, no, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going I'm to I'm have my own ladder and build a tower all the way up to heaven. Amen. You know, so they weren't listening to God. So you see the opposite of, of Satan's ladder. And then you see Christ's ladder with Jacob. You know, he's, he's already crying out. You know, so you mm -hmm. see the difference. Amen. So they were trying to make him a liar. Yeah. It says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It says, but if you wear a yoke of self-righteousness, you will find it very heavy. So... Like we, like we said last week, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
So, John 1, 1, and, and I like when the Lord opened this up about the, the word existence. And from the beginning, the Lord tries to give us his existence, give us this divine nature that we can, that we can partake in. Because like Romario said, this is the, he brought up, this is the beginning. And in the beginning of the path, there must be a, a revelation here. Amen. A revelation must be given at the, at the beginning. Because even in, in Genesis 1, he says, let there be. So let there be was his existence. He was giving, giving the, the, he was giving the universe, amen, evidence of his existence. He was giving the world evidence that, that he is who he is. So in the beginning, so in the midnight cry from John 1.1, 1, 1, says, was the word. It says, and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It says, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So, so and in the, the previous quote, I'm going to bring these two together. It says, All right. It says in the middle of the quote from MS 33 says, are we wearing the yoke of Christ or have we manufactured a yoke of our own? And John one says that all things were made by him and without him, not anything made that was made. So amen. There was no man made yoke. Yes, in the beginning, in the beginning of our walk and in the beginning of the midnight cry, the Lord will give us our own yoke. He will give us the yoke that we are to bear. And if you remember in the story of, of the ark, when it was being carried from Philistine back to Israel, those oxen, they had to bear a yoke because that yoke that they were bearing, it was, it, they were hauling the most, um, the most important jewel that Israel had ever had. So for us not to bear our yoke like the oxen that was, that was being led away from, from Philistine, Philistia all the way to Israel, we'll be putting down our yoke, our salvation, the Ten Commandments, which is to, to save us in a manner in which is to save us. For it is a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, this yoke that the Lord has given unto us, but it can only be found if we meet a, we meet a certain saint in this certain place and this certain place the Lord has brought us to, um, in the past because earlier this year, the Lord brought us to, um, the topic of finding the who, the Messiah. finding the Messiah. So when we found the Messiah, amen, that was that certain saint. And the Lord chose us to, to come to a certain place where we had to find that certain saint. For in John 1, 41, it says, 41 and 42, it says, He first, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So we must... 
we must um, be assured that we have found the Messiah, that certain saint in that certain place that is going to be unto us that certain ladder that's going to bridge the gulf between heaven and earth. Between heaven and me. Amen. Amen. Yes. Between heaven and me. Between heaven and us. Amen. So that we can partake of Christ's divine nature. This is truly what the Lord is bringing us to. That we must partake of his divine nature. And in, and in, and in um, certain cases, we have already partook of that nature. Because to understand and come to this position, we have already feasted upon God's divine nature. But there's a lot more that the Lord is going to give us. But if we don't hold on to the yoke as we are swinging over this gulf, we're going to fall into the wicked world below. Because we must hold on to this, um, to this, this cord, to this ladder, that his divine nature may not depart from us. All right, John 4, John 4, verse 25 and 26. And it says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, says which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us how many things? All things. He will tell us what? All, all things. He will tell us all things. It says, Jesus saith unto her, I speak that unto I thee. I that speak, amen, I that speak unto thee, it says, am he. And that word am is, I exist. The same thing that, um, that the Lord showed in, in, John, in John 1, 1 and in, in Genesis 1. So the giving of all things unto us is the giving of us um, that life, that existence. Oh, yes, yes, I am that I am. It is the same thing because... Because remember, the, the message that was given to, to Moses to give to Pharaoh was, he says, that I am, that I am. And, and he was telling Pharaoh, because remember, Pharaoh was an atheist. And as Pharaoh was an atheist, the, the best thing that he could have given to Pharaoh is letting him know that he exists. Because Pharaoh, as an atheist, doesn't believe that God exists. So the best thing to give to Pharaoh is letting him know God exists. He does exist. In that existence, he's truly trying to give unto us. He, he wants to, to have us partake in that existence. Amen. Amen. John 14, verse 20. It says, And that day, which is the midnight cry, says, Ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I, and I in you. So this existence is to bring us um, into union with God. But what is, what is to take place in this, um, this certain place? Joel tells us, he says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. It is a day of a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there have not ever been the like. Neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth um, before them, and behind them a flame burneth. 
The land is as the garden of Eden before them and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape it. So this day is a day of, of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And that's, I forgot to highlight that portion, but that's um, one of the things that I want to take away from it. That, that in this day, it is um, darkness, gloominess, and thick clouds. And before them is Eden, but behind the, the people is, the, um, is a desolate wilderness. So before us, once we get to this, this period, the dark day, this dark day, oh yeah, of thick clouds, Before us is going to be Eden, the holy city, as we might have up here. But behind us will be a, a desolate wilderness. But David adds to this. David adds to this and he says in Psalms 18, 6 to 11. He says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him, even into his ears says, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. says, there went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured, devoured coals were kindled by it. So it's the same thing that was um, that Joel is speaking of, that a fire, a, a fire devoured before them. So John, not John. David is seeing the same thing. He's seeing this fire that came up before them. Okay. It says there went out a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed, he bowed the, the, the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. He, he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his what? His secret place, his pavilion round about him were what? Dark waters, Dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Um, let's go to 27 and verse 5. He says, for in the time of what? Trouble. In the time of trouble. The and the, Amen. The dark clouds, the thick darkness, that's when it, it comes up. Because the Lord covers himself in this thick clouds and darkness. Because he says this. The, that is his, his covering, and he made darkness his pavilion. But, in, but as I'm reading this, I'm wondering, I'm like, why? And for years, I've been wondering this. Why? How is it that darkness could be God's pavilion when he is light itself? How can light itself can make darkness its pavilion? And I know in one sense, it's talking of, of the Lord's humanity covering um, his divinity, because that truly is. He put on sinful flesh, the, the prophet says. So as he put on sinful flesh, the light was dwelling within that, that darkness. So it is still illustrating how the Lord is trying to come within us, how he is to quicken us with his spirit. Amen. Amen. So, but let's also find out what, what this is. It says, for in, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his what? 
in his pavilion, in that darkness, okay? Because darkness is his pavilion, and he's going to hide you in this pavilion. It says, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a what? Rock. Upon a revelation. Amen. Yes. Amen. That's where we're going to go because Matthew 16 and it says thou art Peter and upon this rock, this revelation of Peter saying thou art the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So now let's go back to David in, in Psalms 97. We all following? Amen. All right. Because we, we. OK, yes. We're, we, this darkness is the Lord's is the Lord's covering. And it's his pavilion. And he's going to hide us in his pavilion. Okay? And, no, and from him hiding us in his pavilion, Eden is going to be before us and a desert wilderness is going to be behind us. So Psalm 97 says, Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. So what's the clouds and the darkness? righteousness and judgment so that darkness that pavilion that the lord is going to hide us is it hide us in is righteousness and judgment but if we do not partake of the lord's divinity now that righteousness and that judgment will be against us we understand that darkness that is around the lord that righteousness and judgment will blot us out that fire is going to devour us. So now, what examples do we have of that in the Bible? It's the cross. Amen. Amen. Yes, it's the cross. It's the Hebrew boys. The Hebrew boys is the same as the burning bush. They were in the midst of the fire, but they were not consumed. That righteousness and judgment did not consume them, but consumed the soldiers that put them into that very fire. So there you have your two, your two classes. You have those who are wise, who did not sleep when they were in that certain place as Peter, James, and John, but were awake to the righteousness and judgment of the Lord. And then you have the foolish who were asleep, who were not paying attention to, to the latter as it spoke to them and saw that it was truly Christ that was in the midst of the fire, keeping them round about. And they saw only the darkness. So because they only saw the darkness, the darkness consumed them. That righteousness and judgment consumed them as they were um, beholding it and saw. And oh, and just like the Jews, they only saw Christ. They only saw Christ, the man. But Peter showed, he says that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The Lord always comes in us in a form that is not pleasing to ourselves. He, he did it with Lucifer. He did it with the Jews. He's going to do it with us. It's going to be the same thing. Are we going to see what is in that ladder? Or are we going to see that, oh, that's just, that's just a man. It doesn't, doesn't matter. That, that, that's just a carpenter's son. Okay. Verse 3, it says, A fire goeth before, um, before him, and burneth up his enemies round about. This is the this, this same fire that, that Joel, that, um, 
and that David was speaking of that was before them. It says, his lightnings, his lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth. So, okay, so governments are also going to fall by this, this same revelation. These, amen, the, the hills, these small governments. It says, the heavens declare his what? His righteousness. And all the people see his glory. Okay, so let us um, continue. It says, in the temple in heaven, the, the dwelling place of God, his throne is established in, in righteousness and judgment. It says, in the most holy place is his law, the great rule of, of right by which all mankind is tested. So those 50 that, that entered into the most holy on October 22nd, they saw the, the righteousness and judgment of God. And they went into that cloud, those clouds and thick darkness that, that was round about, that, um, round about his throne and entered therein. But those who, who left and stayed out, they did not enter into his righteousness and judgment. Because his righteousness and judgment is, is the very thing that is going to blot out our, our sins. It says, um, next, um, next bold. It says, this is the mystery of mercy into which angels desire to look. That God can, can be just while he justifies the, the repenting sinner and renews his intercourse with the fallen race. That Christ could stoop to raise unnumbered multitudes from the abyss of ruin and clothe them with the spotless garments of his righteousness. To, you, to unite with angels who have never fallen, and to dwell forever in the presence of God. So this righteousness and judgment is the mystery of godliness. That's what the Lord is, is taking us to. He's trying to give us an, a better understanding of the mystery of godliness, that righteousness and that judgment, that those thick clouds and darkness. Amen. Okay. Can I have a reader for um three SM one sixty nine, paragraphs one and two. Three SM one sixty nine, paragraphs one and two. The standard by which to measure character is the royal law. The law is the sin detector. By the law is the knowledge of sin. But the sinner is constantly being drawn to Jesus by, one, by the wonderful manifestation of his love in that he humili humiliated himself to die a shameful death upon the cross. What a study this is. Angels have sh striven earnestly longed to look into the wonderful mystery. Uh, it is a study that can tax the highest human intelligence. That man, fallen, deceived by Satan, taking Satan's side of the question, can be conformed to the image of the Son of the infinite God. That man shall be like him, that by the, because of the righteousness of Christ given to man, God will love man, fallen but redeemed, even as he loved his Son. 
Read it right out of the living oracles. Continue. This is the mystery of godliness. Okay, this 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 subject of of um of the Lord's righteousness and judgment is the mystery of godliness. That that title of son because the the whole thing is to redeem us back to being called sons. Because you can either be the son of God or the son of perdition. At the end of the day, you're either you're, you're either going to be a son of one of the two. Are you, are you going to receive that son of God title or not? It is truly up to each and every one of us. The only thing standing in each and our way is ourselves. My worst enemy is me. Not even Satan. Satan can tempt me, but temptation is not what? Sin. Temptation is not sin. Only if I yield to that temptation and walk in the darkness of that temptation, would it be um, sin unto me. So the only thing stopping me is me. If I yield to it, then that's what makes me wrong. But if Satan talks to me, because how many people talk all the time? It is only up to us if we take it and internalize it in ourselves that it actually causes harm to ourselves. So it's the same thing that applies to Satan. Self is our, is, is our, is our worst enemy. Go ahead. Whole thing. Or just the bold? Yeah, just the bold. The more the eye looks upon him, the more his life, his lessons, his perfection of character are studied, the more sinful and, and abhorrent will sin appear. Okay, that's what the Lord wants to give us at the, um, at the, at, at the Civil Sunday Law. He gives us a revelation. The Father gives us a revelation at the beginning of the path. Christ comes to give us a, another revelation at the end. And by seeing what has taken place to the Lamb, to the Son, we will we um will abhor sin and and see how disgusting sin truly is and how sin actually brought us even so much lower than than we think we actually are there's truly a a a a, a disgust to sin that the lord is going to put upon us because he's going to take away some sins from us and he's going to give us a detaste for that very um for those very sins and sin in, in, in of itself. That way we, and that is that hedge that he's going to put around us. This detaste for sin. Amen? Amen. And that is, that is one of the most glorious things that we can, that we can um, look for. A, a, a detaste for sin. Just like how we, in t over time, we, we started to detaste eating meat and red meat and, and alcohol and, and cheese and all of these things to the point now when we smell it, it's like, oh, what is that? It smells like garbage is the same thing that's going to happen with sin. But we must hold on to this cord. We must continually be climbing up this ladder. Well, let us continue. And soon we get to a, a close. So this is this sonship, this detaste for sin says the work of Christ was not a, a divided heart service. Christ came not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. Jesus says, step into the footprints of my what? Sonship. Of my sonship. 
So he's calling us to be sons. It says, in all obedience. That's what brings us into his sonship, obedience. And I've said it before, disobedience is what brought man here. The Lord plainly say, eat from that tree, don't eat from that tree. They didn't listen. They disobeyed. So in disobedience, they ate from that tree and brought us to this degraded state. So to bring us back onto that elevated state on the high platform above the earth must only be the opposite of disobedience, but obedience. Simple. The Lord makes it very simple. Obedience got, I mean, disobedience got us here. Obedience regains us back. It says, I obey as in partnership with a great firm. You are to obey as in co-partnership with the Son of God. Often, you will not see the path clearly. And many times, we don't see the path clearly. But obedience dictates that we must go anywhere. Anyway, I mean. Amen. Because many times... We, we come to a point and say, man, I don't see the, the real issue with what I'm doing. I don't see how this is harming me or any, anyone else. So I'll just, I'll just go and, and do such and such a thing. But obedience dictates that we should obey anyway. Reason dictates that we must obey anyway. It says, often you will not see the path clearly. Then, then ask of God and he will give you wisdom and courage and faith to move forward, leaving all issues with him. We want to comprehend so far as possible the, the truly human nature of our Lord. Amen. Because by understanding the human nature of God, we will understand how our human nature fits in with this, with this union. Amen. It says... Says the divine and human were linked in Christ, and both were complete. Our Savior took, took up the true relationship of a human being as the Son of God. We are sons and daughters of God. In order to know how to behave ourselves circumspectly, we must follow where Christ leads the way. For 30 years, he lived the life of a perfect man, meeting the highest standard of perfection. Then let then let man, however imperfect, hope in God, saying not, if I were a different disposition, I would serve God, but bring himself to him in true service. That nature has been, that nature has been redeemed by me. As many as receive him, to them he gave him power to become what? Sons of God. Sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. You are not degraded, but raised, ennobled, refined by me. You can find refuge in me. You can obtain victory and be more than conquerors in my name. We must practice the example of Christ, bearing in mind his sonship and his humanity. He says, it was God that was, it was, it was not God. It was not God. Amen. It was not God that was tempted in the wilderness, nor a God that was to endure the contradictions of sinners against himself. It was the majesty of heaven who became a man who humbled himself to our human nature. So what does all of this mean? So because, 
Because um, the Lord took on human nature, it represented each and every human that was to ever live. So, so that means at this time in the midnight cry, if we accept the, um, the path from the beginning, if we accept this existence from the beginning, Christ would truly be in us. And we would be a representative of that pure human that is to go forward from that point in the path all the way until the, uh, the, the beautiful field over on the end of the, the chasm. What God did is, um, what the Lord did in clothing his humanity truly shows that he can be clothed with any humanity. Amen. Yes. It is not just Christ. It is not just Christ in of itself, but is any human that that takes on the obedience, the meekness, and the strong faith as of of um, Christ's humanity. Because Christ's humanity could have made the choice to disobey. Mm -hmm. Christ's humanity had the same choice as every other human. Because remember, Christ had two natures, so his human nature had to make a choice, and his divine nature made a choice. So we too, being that human nature for our time, must also make that choice. Enoch made his choice. Seth made his choice. Moses made his choice. Joshua made his choice. Gideon made his choice. Christ made his choice. Ellen White made his choice. Those who died in the 1260 made their choice. And each one of them represented Christ for their time. That's what the human nature is, is that Christ put on what is to do. Show us that we can be a Christ for our time, that we can be married to this Godhead. It is a high state that the Lord has brought humanity to. Amen. And if we humble ourselves and be obedient to it, walking in the same thing that Christ did, then we will be lifted to that high standard as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. It is high time that we take steps in that standard and go forward putting away of the things that, that are um, truly defiling us. Amen? Amen. 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 So that we can be a part of this true threefold union. Amen. Let us close with a, a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for bringing us thus far in our walk. And Lord, as we have approached this gate of heaven, Lord, there, there we are still sleeping, O Lord, as, um, as was Jacob as was um, Peter, James, and John. But I pray, Lord, that you may, um, you may wake us up and that we may see this revelation, Lord, and say truly this is the house of God and we are at the gate of heaven. For it is only by seeing and, and recognizing and acknowledging that we are at the gate of heaven that you will condescend to be with us. Help us in being obedient to all the, the dictates of, you, of thy law. And I pray that, that you would condescend to sit upon the throne of our hearts as well. The charts, the charts show, oh Lord, how, how one is to sit upon, um, upon the beast. And we are as beasts, oh Lord, wandering in this wilderness of, of, of this world. And we want you to sit upon our minds, dictating and controlling where we go, that we may go out and come in. Help us in this day. And I pray that your spirit may continue to fall upon us in this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.